You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, good morning, everyone. Praise the Lord. We have been given yet another day. And, uh, you know, the only better place to be today would be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, we're glad to have you this morning. It's always a privilege, again, to have you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're joining us for the first time, it's Gospel Friday. It is our favorite day of the week because we get to share the hope of Jesus. And I pray you'll invite somebody this morning. We'll have a few minutes before we jump in. And so what an appropriate time to share the link uh, to our channel and get people here so that they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's our hope. That's our desire is that, number one, you as a believer will be encouraged that you ought to be doing the same thing, maybe not on Gospel Friday at 9 to 10, but maybe from 11 to 12 on your channel, you too uh, can be sharing the hope of Jesus Christ. Because I can promise you, if we want to see this world transformed, uh, it's going to take a heart change in the people. Uh, you can gather in crowds, you can scream and shout, you can, you know, uh, stomp your feet and shake your fingers. But nevertheless, if we're going to see true, genuine change in our nation, then it's going to come from true, genuine change in the hearts of mankind because what we have is a sin problem. <laughs> And the only solution to sin is salvation. And the only way one is saved is by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I pray you'll be encouraged as believers to promote and to proclaim and to herald the good news of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And that's my challenge to you today, is to go out and be awkward and share the hope of Jesus. And so if you're here and you're a believer, uh, pay attention, take notes, and go and do the same thing when you leave here because the world needs to hear from you the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time and you're not a believer, well, I pray by the grace of God that you will certainly put your faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to hear you come to know the Lord as your Savior, and that's our hope today. So uh, we want to welcome you all. We sure, certainly love you guys, and uh, we appreciate you being here every week. Every Friday, it's always an encouragement. So let's dive right in. If you will, let me pray, and we'll jump right into our message this morning. Father God, we thank you for each person here, man and woman. God, we thank you that we can come together and to be reminded of the gospel truth and the importance of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so, Lord, help us to be faithful in what you've called us to do as you call us to go, therefore, and make disciples, converts of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that you've commanded. And you remind us, Lord, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God, you will never leave us or forsake us. And so I pray today, Lord, that you will use these words, that you will use the the scriptures 
to penetrate the hearts of, of men and women, that you will soften the hard hearts, and that your word will fall on ears that are able to hear. So, God, we pray for, for the miracle of salvation in our room today. And, God, will you give people the eyes to see and the ears to hear, for we know that it is apart from man by which we can be redeemed, that we can be saved. And so, Lord, we pray you have your way and that you be glorified. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to ask you today, would you like to know God in a personable way? I want you to consider the most important question you could ever ask, and that is, um, have you had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? There are a few things I want us to discuss today, and I'm going to begin by asking a couple of questions. And these questions will uh, give you some insight onto your own heart and where you stand and what you believe to be true. Because the reality is, is what you think about God, what you believe about God, is reflected in every element of your life. And so I want to begin by asking you, if you were to die today or Christ were to return on a scale from 0 to 100, 0 being absolutely uncertain and 100% being absolutely sure, if you were to die today or Christ were to return, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? That's an important question. Write it down. Put it in the back of your mind. Where would you be? 20%, 50%, 100%. Where would you find yourself? For those that uh, are 100% sure, I want to ask you a question. Because you could be 100%, but you want to make sure you're 100% right. Because in reality, you could be 100% wrong and believe it to the grave. And so I want to ask you this question. If you were to stand before God, and God said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? And I want to challenge you to write that answer down so that you can look at it again in just a bit. Write it down. Keep it in the back of your mind because we'll return to that question. Five principles I want us to discuss today. Every one of these are important principles that will, I believe, help you understand how you today can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you can be saved. You can be born again. You can be regenerated. You can be made new. You can become a new creation in Christ. And so I hope that you're hearing. I hope that you're seeing, and I'm praying that the Lord will guide your heart to believe the gospel. First principle I want us to see and understand is that God created mankind to have fellowship with himself. Now, God is sufficient in himself. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need our praise. He is absolutely sufficient in himself. But nevertheless, God created man to have a relationship with him. By, by God creating in the very beginning, Genesis 1-1 says, God created the heavens and the earth. God's creation of the universe is described in the first two chapters of Genesis, and the height of his creation was mankind. He made mankind, and there was a desire to have a relationship. Now, people, humans, were created uniquely. Um, we are told in Genesis 2-7, then the Lord 
formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Genesis 1, 27 and 31, God created man in his own image. You are special. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. By God's design, my friends, when, when, when God created Adam and Eve, the very first humans on the face of the earth, there was no suffering, there was no pain, there was no sickness, there was no death. God put them in a perfect garden where there was no sorrow, pain, or suffering. But in that garden in which God placed them, he created humanity with a free will. Now, there are some that will debate my my brothers who uh, fall to the reform side would fairly disagree to some extent, but you can't really disagree with the fact that Adam and Eve was created with free will because they were. Pre- people were created with free will. When God created man, he gave them free will and the ability to think for himself, herself, and to make their own decisions. Now, I didn't say they made good decisions, but nevertheless, God gave them that ability to make their own decisions, just like you have the ability to make your own decisions, so they as well did. And this presupposes that one has a choice over what he or she can do or not do. And that freedom that we find, that that free will that we find in the very beginning of scriptures before sin ever entered into the world is found in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man. That's important. He didn't command the woman. Woman hadn't been there yet. He commanded man. He created man first and then woman, and he gives the command to Adam. He says to Adam, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but, the, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. You understand me, Adam? Adam, listen, there's lots of trees in this garden, and you may eat any of them. You may eat from all of them, but this one tree that's in the middle of the garden, that's for daddy. That's not for you, son. Do not eat, son. Because in the day you eat, you will surely die. And on that day, man chose to disobey God. And he and she died just as God had predicted. Now, some people want to argue and say, well, they didn't die. Yeah, they died. God's not a liar. That's what the devil told them. So don't don't try to act like God is a liar. No, he says the day you eat, you will surely die. They ate, they died. Now, did they die physically? Of course not. But they died spiritually, and he began to age and die in his body. And listen, unless corrected, he would die for eternity consciously and physically away from the presence of God in a place called hell. And thus we come to the second principle, and that is the reality that we humans, all of humanity, have chosen to disobey God in our relationship with God has been broken. Man rebelled against God. 
It says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which it was taken. So he drove the man out. From the very beginning of time, God began to, to implement grace and provision and protection into the life of humanity knowing that if they would have eaten in that state, they would have died for eternally separated from the presence of God in a place called hell. And so God, seeing that, protected them. But nevertheless, the damage had been done. There in that garden when Eve took the first bite, ultimately because her husband failed to protect her, he advocated his leadership role, which God had given to him. He, God had instructed Adam not to eat. And obviously he did a poor job of leading his wife. Nevertheless, the consequences of their sinful choices have now impacted all of humanity. The consequences of man's choice to disobey God has been absolutely devastating. So we have today, and we have had from the beginning of time, sin, suffering, war, poverty, greed, sickness, pain. They all have entered into the universe and have been passed down from generation to generation, leading all the way back to Adam and Eve. Listen, we are all born with this sinful nature, because we have been imputed into us this sin nature from Adam and Eve and onward down to you even today, all in the sound of my voice. Psalm 51.5 says, Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Listen, when a child is born into this sick and perverted world, it soon becomes apparent that they have a tendency towards sin. child doesn't have to be trained to be selfish. No. They have to be trained to be kind. The child doesn't have to be taught to lie, but to tell the truth. You don't believe me? Put two kids in a room, one toy, close the door, ring the bell, and watch. It's going to be a fight of your life. Listen, the reality is, is they're little vipers in a diaper. They are sinful. They are born that way. Why? Because sin has entered into our universe and death through sin. The Bible says there is none righteous. No, not even one. Romans 3.10 reminds us of that truth. It also says that uh, in Romans 3.23 that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen, all people have chosen to sin against a holy and right God. Every single one of you and every, even me have chosen to disobey God. And thus we have been separated from God. Our sin brings death and separation, friends. Now, the word sin here is an archery term. It's the Greek word hamartia, and the, uh, the objective of the archers to draw back his bow, sling that arrow, and there is one goal, and the goal is to hit the bullseye. Here's the problem. You have never, I have never hit the bullseye. 
doesn't matter how close you get. I mean, you could paint the line of that puppy. But in order for you to be in the presence of God, my friend, you must be perfect. You must hit the bullseye. But the Bible says we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. We have not hit the bullseye. So that's what it means to miss the mark. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. And the Bible says our sin brings death and separation. For the wages of sin is death. Our sin brings eternal judgment. For God warns that someday he will be dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. He says these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. You see, my friend, our best attempts fall short of reestablishing a friendship, a broken relationship with God. Our best attempts through good works, religion, philosophy, morality, listen, they all fall short of reestablishing this broken, separated relationship that we have with God. Man tries his best ways. To reach God. But there is a chasm, there is a gulf, there is an impassable canyon between you and God that makes it impossible for you to reach God. Why? Because our sin, the Bible says, separates us from God and keeps us from having a personal relationship with Him. Now, it may seem right to mankind today to think that if they live a good life, if they do good deeds, if they follow the golden rules, if they, a, if they obey A, B, C, and D, that, that, that they can get to heaven, that when they stand before God, there will be a scale and he will outweigh the good and the bad and whichever one is, is, is of benefit, that's where you go. If, he, if the bad outweighs the good, you go to hell. If the good outweighs the bad, then you go to heaven. There's a way, the Bible says in Proverbs fourteen twelve that seems right to a man, but listen, it, but its end leads to the way of death. Our, our ways are not God's ways, friends. The Bible is clear that good things we do could never bridge the gap of separation between us and God. The sin that is in our lives has caused a gulf, an impassable gulf. Many think doing good deeds are the solution. Good deeds are not the solution to sins that you have committed. Good works can't remove the stain of sin, the guilt of sin, which is why the Bible says in Isaiah 59, 2, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Wow. Good deeds can't save, friends. I mean, I come to work every day and I pass over this long bridge called the Broad River Bridge. I could run as fast as I could. I could do everything in my own strength to get across, and I could promise you I'd never make it because it's impossible. I can't jump across that river. You could never make it to God by your good deeds, buddy. 
you might as well go ahead and count on that. Because that, my friends, is biblical. And the third principle explains the initiative of God. Because of your incapability. You know, it's important for every single one of us to understand our incapability. It's important for every one of us to understand that in our efforts, in our good deeds, we could never bridge that gap of separation that has been caused by sin in our lives. And until we understand that, then we genuinely can't understand the gospel. We can't genuinely understand salvation until we absolutely understand our inability to save ourselves. And the third principle is this, that that God's love moved him to reestablish a broken relationship with man. It was God's love that moved him to save us from our sin and our separation. You see, this whole gospel thing isn't about you. I hate to, to, to bring that news to a millennial world who makes everything about them, the worship music, I worship thee, I do this, I do that, iPhone, iPad, I this. It's not about you or me. It's about God Almighty coming in as your rescuer and making a way so that you could be saved, my friend. You can't do anything to get to God. And that's why the Bible says here in 1 John 4.10, And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son. You know, one of the most common answers I get when I ask someone, if you were to stand before God and God said, why should I let you to heaven, what would they say? They say, well, I I, I would tell them I love you, God. Listen, this is not about your love for God. This is about God's love for you, my friend. You don't love God the way you think you love God. I don't love God the way I think I love God. If my salvation is dependent on my love for God, then I am sadly disappointed. The Bible says in John 14, a matter of fact, Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. There ain't nobody in this room who can keep the commandments. And if you think you have, then you definitely need to understand the gospel Because the Bible says, if you say you have not sinned, you are a liar, and the truth is not in you. Listen, you can't keep the law. The law was given to you to show you your need for a Savior, to show you your inability. This whole thing is about a rescue mission of God to a helpless and hopeless world that is going up in flames. It's not that we love God, my friend, but that God loved us and sent his son. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Not that, that Stuart so loved God. No, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever 
believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How long is eternal life? Eternal life is eternal. It's forever. And the question is, who do you believe? If you believe in him, Jesus Christ, you will not perish. But it was God's love. It was God's initiative. It was God's love that moved him to 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 protect you and to guide you and direct you and save you. So listen, eternal life is more than some future event. It's more than heaven. Truly, truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Eternal life is more about in the now. Using the present tense verb to describe eternal life. Listen, God indicates that eternal life can be experienced now. In this life. And so this tells me that eternal life is more than just being in heaven. Yes, he says in John 14, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I'm there, you may be also. Yes, that's true. But today is the day of salvation, my friend. It's about having a relationship with Christ today which results in eternal life. But eternity starts today for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Today could be the first day of the rest of your life. Many confess Christianity, brothers and sisters, but not all embrace Christ. He says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, and we need, to, we need to think about this because the call is to enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Listen, if everybody's doing it, most likely it's not right. Millions and millions and millions of people. They acknowledge certain facts about Jesus Christ, and so they think that makes them a Christian. But know know this, it's not enough to have an intellectual understanding. It's not enough to believe about Jesus Christ. It's not enough to have some kind of head knowledge. It's not enough to know the man of salvation. You must understand You must believe in Christ. I mean, James 2.19 reminds us that the demons believed and trembled. They knew Christ. They knew who he was. The demons said, what do we have in common with one another? What, what, What do we have to do with you? They believed in Jesus, and they trembled. That didn't make them a Christian. They were still demons. You must believe in Christ, the person and the work of Christ. And the fourth principle really explains this important distinction that Jesus Christ is the only solution to man's broken relationship with God, and it's only through Christ that you can have forgiveness. Listen, the exact details in the life of Jesus Christ has been told many years in the Old Testament. 
before Christ ever coming. His birth, his burial, his death, his burial, his resurrection, all predicted years before it ever came to earth. The entire Bible points to Christ as the focal point of all of history. Why? Because he's central. It's God's work plan for salvation. Listen, Jesus' miraculous birth was foretold by Isaiah. The angel Gabriel told Mary how it would all unfold. And he he said, "What the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Listen, Jesus, his life was sinless. He hit the bullseye, my friend. He, he, he never once missed the bullseye. And thus we should be encouraged that He in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have a high priest who cannot sympathize. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we yet without sin. We have a Savior who understands our temptations, our trials, our troubles. And we have a great example, the perfect example of him who hit the bullseye. And because he hit the bullseye, because he is the only one who can hit the bullseye, His death was substitutionary. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, the Lord wasn't dying for his own sin. He had none. And as that sinless person is the only one who had hit the bullseye in all of history, as an infinite person, he was able to die for every person who ever lived. Listen, Jesus' resurrection was a fulfillment of his prophecy. Jesus' resurrection was a declaration of his deity. And just as God promised, he just as was prophesied, death could not hold Christ in the grave because he had never sinned. Every shot he took, it hit the bullseye. His resurrection declared to the world that he was God the Son, validating his claim to, listen, to be the only way to the Father. Jesus doesn't say he is a good way. He doesn't say he is the best way. No, he, he, he narrows it down to this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you want to get to the Father, then it better be through Jesus Christ. I don't care who you pray to. You can pray to Mary. You can pray to the archangel as General Flynn did, and I'm just going to call it like it is. It ain't right. It ain't biblical, and it ain't going to Jesus because the only way to the Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ, both salvifically, and now he is ascended to the right hand of the Father. We hear intercedes on our behalf. If you want to talk to God, you better go by way 
way of Jesus because it is God's method, it is God's way, it is God's plan, and we need to be open and honest and call it what it is. He is the narrow way, and he is in a good way. He is the only way. And so we need to know who it is you trust in today. Is it Jesus Christ, or is it some method of man? Because if it's method of man, holy moly, you're going to be highly disappointed when you stand before Almighty God and he says, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. The Bible says there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. How dare we pray to anyone outside of Jesus Christ? We need to stand up and be right. We need to be biblical. Jesus is your method because God made him your method. Jesus took your sin and he was pierced through for your iniquity and my iniquity and he was crucified on the cross at Calvary. And every one of your sins, past, present, and future, was nailed to the cross. It was nailed to the cross. He said there in John 19, verse 30, it is finished. It is finished. To telestai. It was a tax term that meant paid in full. There was nothing else to be done, my friend. The cross accomplished the work. The cross sealed the deal. The cross is sufficient for salvation. And thus, it has been paid in full. You owe nothing. No works, no deeds, no ability of your own can ever save you because Christ has already done the work. If we could satisfy, listen, the just penalty for sin, which is death, then there was no reason for Jesus Christ to give up his life for you. His death was not meaningless, friends. Galatians 2.20 said, If we could be saved by keeping the law, then Christ died needlessly. Listen, if you could be saved by by your obedience to the commands of God, then guess what? You you just need to be good enough. Just, Just look up there on the cross and say, Jesus, come on down from there. No reason for you to be crucified and flogged and mocked and pierced through for the iniquities of man. Just come on down. I can be good enough. I can do A, B, and C. I can obey the law. I can go to church on Sunday. I can give to the poor. I can pay my tithes. I can be a good person. I can not murder anybody. I can never have sex before marriage. I can be pure in heart. I can do this. I can do that. Jesus, come on down. I got this. Sounds like you want to be God. Listen, the reality is you can do nothing. 
because you are absolutely helpless and you need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. Now let's pretend for a second this morning that Jesse, he pulls out a gun. He's a little wild. And uh, he pulls out a gun and he decides he's going to shoot David Blackwell. David Blackwell dies. Jesse is now in custody and he is going to stand before a righteous judge. Righteous judges don't let sin go unpunished. I know we have a hard time understanding what that looks like in today's society, but God is a righteous judge. And Jesse is now going to stand before a righteous judge, and the righteous judge is going to declare him life in prison. Essentially, the death penalty. And as the judge is getting ready to announce the verdict, guilty, I come into the room. I come into the courtroom and I say, Judge, hold, hold on a second. I, I don't want Jesse to, to, to die. I don't want Jesse to receive a life sentence. So, Judge, let me, let me step in here. I want to take Jesse's place. And the judge says, well, that's very ambitious of you, Pastor, but that's not sufficient enough. But I tell you what, Stuart, I see that you have a son named Hunter. I tell you what, if you'll take your son, Hunter, you'll hook him up to that electric chair over there, you pull the plug on your very own son, I'll set Jesse free. The son willingly, obediently, sufficiently goes over, hooks himself up to the electric chair, and the father, I pull the the plug and I kill my own son. And the judge looks over, drops the mallet, and says, not guilty. Jesse, you're free to go. Jesse walks out of the courtroom, and he's standing there, and all of the, 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 the media has um, got the cameras on him, and they're wanting to know, how in the world, Jesse, are you able to walk free? You killed a man. You deserve life in prison. Well, you know, I started living a good life. <laughs> You know, Jesse says, I, oh, I, I started going to church, you know. I, I found Jesus. I started reading the Bible. I started giving to the poor. I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that, I did this. And then the cameras focus off of Jesse on to me, the Father. And I say, how dare you, Jesse? Claim anything for your freedom. You've done nothing, Jesse. It was me, the father, sacrificing my very own son that I might be set free. You see, my friends, it's not enough to know about Jesus. You must believe in Jesus. 
that he was God's way unto salvation. That the Father sacrificed his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in them would not perish but have eternal life. Listen, God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Listen, to have a personal relationship with God, you must be as righteous and as holy as God himself. How how is that even possible? Because the Bible declares that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've missed the mark. We, We didn't hit the bullseye, Pastor. For this reason, my friend, the Father judged the Son as if he had personally committed your sin. So that by faith in Christ, you can receive the benefit of his sinless life and his substitutionary death. It is absolutely critical that you were 100% sure that if you were to die today or Christ would return, that you would go to heaven. Why? Because you must be absolutely certain that you have his righteousness. And the only way that you can be certain that you have his righteousness is by faith in him who provided you that righteousness. So what do you believe saves you today, friend? Four common responses we get when people give their answers. Why should God let them into heaven? This is what they say. No answer at all. Ant wrong. You don't understand the gospel. If God asks you why I should I let you in heaven and you don't have an answer, you don't understand the gospel, my friend, and you are lost and you are in need of salvation because if you die in that state, you will certainly be eternally separated from God in hell. Another common answer is good works equals salvation. Good works don't equal salvation. That's another wrong answer. We've already determined that. Salvation is not by deeds which we've done in righteousness. If you've got any questions, go look at uh, Titus 3, 4, and 5. But when God demonstrates his love, it's not the deeds of which you've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, according to his grace, good works don't save. Faith in Christ, you may say, plus good works. See, that's the most common Christianized answer in our day. Oh, I believe in Jesus, plus I do good works. Equals salvation. That's still improper. You're adding to the gospel. And Paul says, if anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached, which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection, faith in the gospel... They are to be cursed. They are to be damned to hell. Anathema. This gospel thing is serious business. Faith plus good works do not save. It is not about your works. It is about the work and almighty gift of God. So here's the only correct answer, my friend. Faith In Christ alone equals salvation. 
Good works don't save. They don't even help save. They're simply evidence of a true conversion. It's only by trusting in Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, that you can have a personal relationship with God and be in a relationship that will not send you into hell eternally. But however, my friend, in order to have a relationship, you must respond personally by receiving Jesus Christ. The fifth and final principle is that we must personally receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Listen, it's only then that we can have our sins forgiven and know God in a personal relationship. You must receive Christ. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him to, him, to them they gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. He's given you the right to become children of God. You're not born a child of God. He gives you the right to become a child of God. You must be born again. You must receive Christ by faith, my friends. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Listen, if you could do something to get into heaven, you would have a trophy. We live in a day when we know that, that uh, everybody wants a trophy. We give participation trophies for kids who get second place, last place. They don't even take score at soccer games sometimes. Not about winning. There's always a winner and there's always a loser. Listen, if you put your faith in Christ, you've won. If you don't, you're a loser and you're going to find yourself separated from God in a place called hell. And that is truth. That is truth. It's a gift of God, my friend. You can't earn it. It's a gift. We must respond to God's remedy by faith. It's not enough to have some kind of intellectual understanding that God's Son died in your place and that your sins must be forgiven. Listen, that's head knowledge. Listen, many know the plan of salvation, but they have no relationship with the man of salvation. It's not enough to have some kind of emotional experience. I got the goosies. Okay, well, maybe the temperature changed in the room. I had a drink. Maybe you had eaten bad Mexican food before you went to bed. This is not about your emotional experience. No, salvation involves the will. One must change their mind and acknowledge their sin before a God who already knows they've broken the laws of God. Listen, you must trust in Jesus Christ alone through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, for which Paul says, I delivered to you as of first importance in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that Christ died according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and raised in the third day according to the Scriptures. It is the gospel that's the power to save. It's those who place their faith in Jesus Christ that will be saved. Faith in anything else other than Jesus, listen, you will find yourself painfully and eternally separated in hell. That is not God's desire. No, he wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. 
So let me ask you a very important question today. Where are you? Pretend you're standing at the Grand Canyon. God is on one side and holy saints, saved, born-again people are with him. And stained men, separated women, living in sin, never put their faith in Jesus Christ are on one side of the canyon. Where are you today? Are you over here with sinful man, stained, separated, at odds with God? Or are you over there with God, holy, righteous, set apart, born again, a new creation in Christ, regenerated, saved, newness of life, a friend of God, a child of God? Here's the bigger question. Where would you like to be? Listen, you can receive Christ right now by faith. Faith is simply taking God at His word by believing what He has already promised you in His word. Because His Son, listen, died and rose again, God can promise you that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, Romans 10, 13. So what are you waiting on today? Call out to Him. Tell Him this morning. That you are a sinner. He already knows it. You already know it. You've already broken the laws of God. You've lied. You've stole. You've looked at a man or woman with lust in your heart. You can't get away from it. We live in a sick and perverted world. I mean, I woke up this morning, opened up my cell phone, and there on social media, half-naked women twerking or whatever you want to call it. You can't get away from it. It's everywhere. You have sinned, my friend. And now you need to admit to God that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Confess to Him who knows all things that you could never be good enough. Just call out to Him, God, I can't be good enough. I can't save myself. Give Him thanks that He left heaven and became a man. Give Him thanks today because of what He did on the cross at Calvary. Dying in your place and in my place, taking my punishment and your punishment and applying it to his own self. Trust in him today. Trust in him to forgive you of your sins and to give you the gift of eternal life. He's offering you the gift. And because he has rescued you, from your sin and out of the gratitude of your heart. Purpose to follow him today for the rest of your life as king and lord of your life. And give him thanks for reestablishing a broken relationship. And if this is the expression of your heart, then today receive Christ. Call out to him, save even me. Listen, the Bible promises eternal life to anyone who will receive Christ. The witness is this, that God has given us eternal life. He has what? Given us eternal life. He has offered you the gift today. 
And this life that he has offered, that he has given, is in his Son. And he who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Let me ask you, do you have the Son today? Have you received Christ today? He says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know you have eternal life. Listen, you don't have to feel arrogant and cocky and conceited to say that I am 100% sure that if I die today or Christ will return, that I am going to heaven. I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I died in this very moment, I would step into eternity into the presence of God, and he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant, not because I'm some good person, not because I'm spiritually astute, not because I'm some righteous guy. It's because I have been born again from God, his son, Jesus Christ, whom I place my faith I am a new creation in Christ. And so when I die and I stand before God and God says, well, I should let you in heaven, I would say, you shouldn't let me into heaven, but your living and active word, which you cannot lie, says if if I place my faith in Jesus Christ, that you will forgive me of my past, my present, and my future, and that I can be born again. And today I am here because your son Jesus Christ paid for my sin on Calvary, and I trust in Christ the alone. So Lord, I am here on behalf of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, who do you trust in today? Listen, Christ paid your debt in full, and the Bible informs us that you don't have to wonder anymore over your salvation, but we can be certain that we are eternally saved from sin's penalty. And if you've received Christ today, praise God. Now you may be asking, okay, pastor, I've I've trusted in Jesus today. What now? Well, the Bible says make your decision public. Now, we are a social media platform. If you were standing in the presence of me in our church, I would say come forward and, and let's baptize you. But today we want to know here in this channel, just type in, I have put my faith in Christ so we can celebrate with you, so that we can pray for you. Because the Lord Jesus taught that true inward possession of him would always result in outward confession of him. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven, is what Jesus says. So don't be afraid. Tell everybody, I am a born-again Christian today. Ultimately, our confession should express itself in baptism. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 reminds us that. And baptism is simply a symbol of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as seen going down into the waters and then coming out. It doesn't save. It doesn't help save. It's like a wedding ring. It's a picture of my wedding, my relationship with my wife, my covenant relationship. So baptism is. So you need to be baptized. Maybe you're here today and you're put your faith in Christ and you've never been baptized by immersion. Now I know we live in a time when they people think sprinkling is okay and you know, little water on your head. That's not what baptism means. No, you need to do it right. If you're going to do it, do it God's way. Baptizo in the Greek means to emerge. It was it, it um 
Uh, baptizo was to immerse a cloth into, into a dye and to completely dye that cloth a certain color. And so baptize is a picture of, of, of that cloth going down in that water and coming out a different color. You need to be baptized by immersion. That's important. That is important. So here's the deal. If you want to be baptized, I'd love to baptize you if you place your faith in Christ. Come on down to South Carolina. Come to Family Bible Fellowship. Let's schedule it. We'll fill up that baptismal, and we'll just baptize all of you. But if you are unable to do that, and then uh, you need to find a church locally that you can serve at. You need to find a Bible-believing church. And here's a link in the chat that you can search for a local church in your community. And if you can't find one, We'll get on it, and we'll see if we can't help find a healthy, biblical, Christ-central church for you. Because when you receive Christ, listen, you become a child of God and a babe in Christ. And Jesus, listen, wants you to grow in your relationship with him. And just as a child needs a family to grow and to be nurtured, so does every new believer. And uh, we offer what we can online through our relationships here. But there's something about being in the local church. And if you aren't able to do that, then you can only do what you can do. Maybe like you're like this young lady who lives in Maine, and there is no Bible-believing churches within four hours. What is she supposed to do? Well, let us pray that God would allow us to help plant a church there in that community. Listen, God wants healthy churches and he, so that you have a place to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. So you need to find a Bible-believing church where you can grow. Then you need to get a Bible, and you need to begin to read it. Now, many people ask me, well, what translation of a Bible? There's so many. Listen, there are good translations, and there are bad translations, okay? I'm going to give you three translations. I'll give you four translations, and this is the order of my desire. I will say, go get you the NASB. Now, this is going to be a very wooden translation. It's a verse-by-verse translation, so it's a little harder to read. If you're not a great reader and you're not highly intellectual like me, then you may prefer not the NASB, but the ESV, the English Standard Version, which is a great translation. And if you don't like that and you want something a little bit different, then go for the New King James Version. It's you know, translated, uh, a little updated more on the language, and then or go for the King James Version. Um, any of those will be beneficial for you. Uh, we usually will share in the chat uh, a Bible that we would encourage you to grab a hold of. It's a study Bible that's put out by Dr. John MacArthur. And uh, if you take that Bible, it will give you some clarity as you read the Scriptures and protect you from really going astray in your understanding of what the text is saying because in the bottom it's really a helpful tool in describing what the text is saying in some fashion, shape, or form. And so there should be a study Bible posted in the chat, and I hope that helps you. But nevertheless, read the Bible. Get plugged in to a church, and then begin to pray about everything. God tells us to cast all of our cares upon Him because He cares about us. You can begin by calling God your Father. You've been adopted into the family of God. 
If you haven't had a chance to listen to the Doctrine of Salvation, a 10-week series we just got finished with uh, last week or this week, I, I pray you'll listen to them. I think it'll be helpful for you to understand, and uh, and maybe you'll you'll have some time to do that. And what a blessing it is to be able to be together today. And I just uh, I'm looking now over at the chat, and it looks like Jen has posted the church link and the Bible link and the church finder link, so that'll be helpful for you. And then it looks like we've had three people give their lives to Christ today. Praise God. Guys, you know, it's amazing to me every Friday that here we have an opportunity to see people give their lives to Jesus Christ, and we are giving God every bit of glory, every bit of honor, and every bit of praise for that. And so for those that have put their faith in Christ, we are so pleased to have you in our, in the family of God. Justin, welcome, brother, to the family of God. Patricia, welcome to the family of God. We are certainly delighted to have you, and it is truly a joy. Joyce, welcome to the family of God. Wow, what a, what a great uh, blessing it is and, uh, and a privilege uh, that we have been able to watch um, uh, that take place. And so thank you again for everything and for being here in such an exciting day. Um, we will open up the chat here in just a second, uh, but let me pray and then we'll close out that session and we'll begin to just do a little Q&A. Thank you. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we ask that you be with each one of those who have put their faith in Christ. Will you grow them, God, in the grace and the knowledge of Christ? Thank you for opening their eyes and their ears that they might respond to the gospel. And now, Lord, help us to come alongside of them and grow them and to help them and to see their growth in their relationship with you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you do and all that you're going to do through the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.